Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of the QuietMark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, and I'm the CMO at QuietMark. And QuietMark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. Through scientific testing and assessment, QuietMark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors, including home appliances and technology, building sector materials, and commercial sector products. Regular listeners to this podcast may remember that in February last year, episode 16, I enjoyed a wonderful conversation with Matthew Herbert of the BBC New Radiophonic Workshop and Cheryl Tipp, curator of wildlife and environmental sound at the British Museum, for an episode that looked at the inaugural Sound of the Year Awards. And I'm delighted to be revisiting the Sound of the Year Awards again in this episode for the Sound of the Year Awards 2021. After that successful first year, the Sound of the Year Awards returned, And it's a celebration of everyday sound in all its forms, and the awards are presented by the Museum of Sound in partnership with the New Radiophonic Workshop and others. Submissions are accepted and encouraged from all around the world, and anyone over the age of 16 is welcome to enter. The awards aim to highlight the rapidly growing international community of sound professionals and enthusiasts, as the value of good sound, listening and healthy sonic environments are becoming recognised as a vital part of our lives. QuietMark was delighted to partner with the Sound of the Year Awards 2021. Our CEO and co-founder, Poppy Skeeler, was invited to be one of the judges, and QuietMark was the official partner of an exciting new category called Best Sound Innovation in Everyday Life, which is described as recognising a new technology, appliance or technique made public in the last year that has improved how the sound of something is experienced in everyday life. And on this programme, I'll be speaking to four guests. First of all, Hayley Suviste, who's the hardworking line producer of the Sound of the Year Awards. And then she'll be followed by the winner and the two runners-up for the best sound innovation in everyday life. Justin Wigan will be joining us from Cornwall to talk about his winning entry, which is called Echo Point. Vanis Maragos joins us from Athens in Greece to talk about his highly commended piece, Moving Sound Receptor. And joining us from Tokyo, Japan, is sound artist Yui Onodera, who will be telling us more about his entry, Sound Garden. But first, I can tell you a little bit about Hayley herself. So Hayley Suviste is a sound artist and composer based in Manchester, UK. Working across field recording, archival sound, electronic hardware and live instrumentation, Hayley uses her music to explore community and culture. Her work draws on first-hand oral histories and is made in close collaboration with those who can provide the most accurate document of their environment. Much of her music is immersed in the rural and urban narratives of her local Manchester, observing the city's threatened natural spaces and our experiences preserving and polluting them. Alongside her compositional work, Hayley works for the Radiophonic Institute as the lead producer of the Sound of the Year Awards and assistant producer of the ORAM Awards, as well as being a graduate research assistant at the Open University under Dr Manuela Blackburn. Hayley also co-runs the Manchester Ear, a soundwalking initiative that aims to get communities involved with listening to the environment on excursions in and around Manchester. So it's a pleasure to introduce Hayley Suviste. Is that right, Suviste? Savisti. Savisti. I mean, it's one of those where I don't even pronounce it necessarily properly because it's Estonian. So, like, oh it would goodness. be said. I met an Estonian artist yesterday that I was gigging with, and she said it properly, and I was just like, "Oh, can you say it again? It sounds so nice." And oh, I'm sorry. Just, uh, like, I from Birmingham, being like Savisti. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll work with. Uh, welcome to the show, Haley Savisti. How are yeah. you today? <laughs> uh, we'll try again. So, welcome to the show, Haley Savisti. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm great, thank you very much. How are you today? I'm really good. It's a lovely sunny day. 
Oh, it's a lovely sunny day in London. Where are you uh, based today? So I'm in Manchester, so that's why it's nice that it's sunny. So I'm holding on to that. Oh, yeah, because uh, as the Smiths tell us, it always rains in Manchester. <laughs> and it does. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking of Manchester, of course, in the introduction, we just heard myself reading there. I mentioned that you're a sound artist and a composer based in Manchester, UK. And before we come on to the Sound of the Year Awards, which this episode's about, I'd like to just get a bit more about who you are and your background. So what are you doing in Manchester? Yeah, sound artist based in Manchester. And a lot of my work focuses on kind of using oral histories and sound art and pairing that with field recordings and music to really bring the stories to life. So I've done quite a few projects working with archives and kind of collections of stories and maybe bringing around three hours worth of talking of people's stories into maybe like a half an hour project where maybe there's a I've done a few kind of GPS sound walks where you can walk around an area and the GPS on your phone triggers the sounds as you walk around so you can find out about the place you're in through the stories from the people themselves in a quite curated way with kind of field recordings and kind of music as well and yeah I've just found out I've got PhD funding to do to focus on this kind of um, compositional work for like the next three and a half years full time. So oh, congratulations really and well, well deserved and well owned because all I can say is if you put half the effort into that, that you put into the way you looked after Quiet Mark and the whole of the Sound of the Year Awards, and you deserve every penny of that funding. Oh, I can't thank, thank you enough you. for your the way that you involved Quiet Mark with Sound of the Year Awards. You're the lead producer of that event. It's a fantastic event. You know, Matthew and Cheryl were on the uh, show a year ago in the with the inaugural uh, Sound of the Year Awards 2020. You've really looked after and championed Sound of the Year Awards 2021. How was it for you? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that comes across because, yeah, I've really just thrown myself into it. And because I came on to the Sound of the Year 2020 for the first year, kind of at the start, just helping with social media. And then after a few weeks, I just found myself having more and more responsibility until this year. They were like, yeah, lead producer, go. And just kind of really trusted me to do it. And it was also really great to work with partners like yourself at Quietmark who were super forthcoming and just really gave your all into the partnership as well, sharing it with your community and getting people involved. And I think that's what really helped grow the awards even more this year because we had around double the submissions this year as last year. So I think these partnerships really helped to solidify that and reach out to even more people. Fantastic. And of course, uh, the CEO and founder of Quiet Mark, Poppy Skeeler, was on your board of judges, your panel of judges. And there was a category specially made for Quiet Mark, which was the best sound innovation in everyday life. And I'm looking forward to talking to the winner and the runners up in that category after I've spoken with you. But with regard to the show this year, I read in Electronic Sound Mag that there was a kind of a difference between this year's entries and last year's entries, which was notable. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on that because Matthew Herbert said that the previous year the winner had been a sound about Black Lives Matter. And then this year, he felt that the theme was much closer to sustainability. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's been a really great thing to witness through the awards over the last two years, that the sounds that kind of the judges have picked up as being the most prominent are the ones that are really kind of politically charged and really relevant to kind of the world as it is in the moment that the awards are. Mm -hmm. So, for example, last year, yeah, we had the Black Lives Matter um, recording that one but also there were lots of recordings relating to the pandemic and the change in soundscapes and mm. kind of the clap for carers and yes yeah, so this year 
a lot of them are about the kind of climate crisis, but also mental health as well. And I think that's something that's really kind of relevant today. Um, and I think that's one of the best things about the awards that we'll have this archive year by year of the recordings that meant something in that year. And we'll be able to look back and see what was important in those years. And I think that's a really valuable tool to have. Were there any particular entries that stood out for you personally? Yeah, I think the ones that really stood out for me are the ones, the recordings that kind of are really good at capturing a story and kind of storytelling through the recordings. And I love that it's not necessarily about having the fanciest gear or equipment. It's just about someone being there in a place and time to capture an event or a soundscape and just out of pure look. So, I mean, even for example, the person that won the sound of the year, Bald Eagles and Wildfire Helicopters by Jacob Job, the way he's captured, he's in the space um, in a forest after it's been burnt down in the Rocky Mountain National Park in the USA. Yes, so he's got the kind of cries from the bald eagle heard alongside the wildfire helicopters that are coming in to kind of put out the fires. And I think just the fact he was there to capture this and this this will be a scene that will be happening more and more frequently due to the climate crisis. And I think what's so poignant about this kind of winning this category that I think, I guess for people that aren't immediately experiencing the climate crisis at the moment, for example, in the UK, like maybe we're getting hotter and hotter summers, but it's not kind of these tragic events. But I think to be able to listen to these recordings of someone there, it really places you in these situations where you can hear it. And I think sound can really just place you in that environment and kind of make you have empathy for it in a way, maybe looking at a photo, it's not as all encompassing, I don't think. I think listening to a recording is just really evocative. And one of my other favorite submissions was um, Justin Wigan's Echo Point, which was the winner of um, the best sound innovation in everyday category that you partnered with. Mm -hmm. and I think this project was just such a great way to kind of reach the public, everyday people, and these kind of soundscape projects that really help when people are in a mental health crisis. And because I think sometimes kind of these soundscape or art projects can be in a bit of an artistic bubble, but to have these projects that kind of place things into the public, like for example, for Justin, it's on a bench where people can go and sit down and kind of press play and listen to these like directed soundscapes that kind of help them through what they're going through I think it's just a really powerful project I think that really stood out for me it really is and of course he follows you on this episode of the Quamart podcast I'm really looking forward to hearing from him how he came about uh, doing that particular project and, and what it entailed so Hayley what of the future for the sound of the year awards this year seems to take a massive step even from the first year which was great but have you got even greater ambitions for the following year I think yeah just to continue as we are each year building this archive of recordings um and again this year yeah we worked for partners with each category and again just building on these relationships and kind of reaching out to more and more people um one of the new categories this year that we really enjoyed doing was um, the best classroom soundscape, oh. which we worked with a um, minute of listening where, so we worked in kind of primary schools across the UK and someone from Italy submitted as well, actually. Um, so children, classes of school children were played some of Jana Winderen's field recordings of kind of underwater soundscapes. And so the children kind of recreated these with like things they had around them. So 
the teachers had kind of put out instruments, kind of bubble wrap and like um, microphones in water. And together, the whole class kind of, yeah, made, recreated these soundscapes and submitted them. And I think, yeah, I think that's one that I'm really excited to kind of build that even further because we had about four submissions this year so to be able to just push that even further next year get more scores involved I think that'd be really great thank you so much for taking time to tell us a little bit about the awards and again well done on the show and congratulations again on your grant I hope it goes well for you and we'd love to hear more about how that all works out for you oh thanks so much Simon it's great to have you involved and I can't wait for next year's awards It now gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show the winning and highly commended artists who submitted their brilliant works into the Sound of the Year Awards Best Sound Innovation in Everyday Life. They are Justin Wigan, joining us from Cornwall, UK, Fanis Maragos, joining us from Athens, Greece, and Yui Onodera, who joins us from Tokyo, Japan. I should explain that Yui brought an interpreter to the show called Roberta, so you're going to hear me asking Roberta questions for Yui. I've shortened his answers, I've faded them out to give you more of Roberta's translation. Of course, I asked Yui if he'd mind me doing that, and he completely understood and was fine with that. So here they are, Justin, Fanis, Yui, and Roberta. Hi Simon, my name's Justin Wigan. I'm a sound artist and a failed astronaut. I'm uh, talking to you today from my studio in Penryn in Cornwall. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show today. Thank you, Justin. Fanis, off to you. Hi, I'm Fanis, inventor and creator of the Moving Sound Receptor. And I'm joining you from Athens, Greece. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for joining us from Athens, Fanis. That's fantastic. And over to you, Yui. Hi, I'm Yui Onodera, creator of Sound Garden, and uh, I'm joining you from Tokyo, Japan. Thank you for inviting this. You're very welcome. Thank you all for joining us on the Quiet Mark podcast today. And congratulations to you all for being winners or runners-up in the category of Best Sound Innovation in Everyday Life in the Sound of the Year Awards, which is what's brought us together. I really want to find out more about your wonderful entries into that competition but that's the present we're going to start in the past and uh, in the order that we introduce you Justin then Fanis then Yui I'd really like to understand your life's with sound uh, you've entered your work into the awards but something's taken you there before that happens so Justin if I can start with you tell us about your past what's your relationship with sound and how did you end up doing what you do um, through a series of events as a child I used to have staring competitions with the sun. My The idea was to see how long I could stare at the sun until I had the black ring that was going around my eyes. And I damaged my eyesight. And I was told by the time I was a teenager that I would be blind. I wouldn't be able to see. So it only came to me during lockdown that this it made a, a massive direction in my life in terms of using my sense of hearing to navigate what the world would be. So by staring at the sun, I ended up being a sound artist because I was practicing on training my hearing for the expectancy of me to wake up one morning and not be able to see anything. So that kind of made a massive impact. And also I used to record the top 40 as a child on a Sunday night and because we didn't have integrated systems, I used to push the cassette player on the floor right next to the radio. 
and I used to edit when the DJ would would speak and kind of clip him out. So I had like these perfect <laughs> comp- compilation kind of tapes. However, it being Sunday, um, my mother would be cleaning on the evening <laughs> and she'd be vacuuming and polishing. And so the end result would be these cassettes, which just had these kind of blasts of noise over the top of kind of Paul McCartney's frog chorus with <laughs> the sound of white noise vacuum obliterating everything that was going on. And I've got a relationship now with matching harmony and melody with harsh noise. And that's because of that kind of incident in my life of trying to capture noise and it being obliterated by, by the sound of my mother cleaning. So that was another kind of part of the journey. Mm. Um, the, the other thing was the early kind of honesty I had from my, again, related to my mother. In the 70s, you could go and talk to your bank manager and they would offer cigarettes. They wouldn't offer the kids cigarettes. They'd offer your parents cigarettes. And you'd chat about finances. It was the thing that was done then. There was this, it was a different world. Mm. And at the end of one of these financial meetings that my mum was having the bank manager, he asked me what I wanted to be. And I grew up and I said I wanted to be an astronaut. It was my dream to be in space and explore another world and be the one who's the first to see and hear and touch things. And he looked at me and he just told me not to be so stupid. And it was the first time that a grown-up had not tickled my ears and just was kind of levelling a little bit with me. And I took that I took that kind of on the chin, but I think that now... I'm doing the same work as I would do if I was sent to Venus or Mars in terms of exploring the planet like I do mm. as an astronaut, as a visitor. So I'm navigating the, the planet through sound and exploring sound as if um, I've been put on some kind of mission, really. So I that's why that. I say I'm a, fail, I'm a failed astronaut, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Earth naught, really. <laughs> Being an earth naught, uh, with your feet firmly on the ground, we have bills to pay. So is, did it end up paying your living uh, moving into the world of sound? Uh, yeah, I'm not on an astronaut's wage, by no means. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, in the 90s, I was, uh, I was in, a, in a band. I was a singer in a band called Subaqua. And I was in a few other bands with uh, choice names, mm-hmm. um, as you know. <laughs> yes. And I kind of stayed in that that area of things uh, in the music uh, and then I met my wife but then big turn of events there was my wife getting cancer which allowed me to look at using sound for resilience and rethinking everything of how we navigate the planet we get told to navigate through ocular centric means everything through our eyes and our sense of hearing seems to be something which is relegated to a secondary element so we might only be aware that we're hearing only if we're having a conversation like this and an ambulance goes past or the phone goes off, it pops some kind of visual bubble. And I started to think that we're really missing out on, on the experience of what sound adds to our lives. Mm. So I spent some time, she, she got uh, cancer. I spent some time training as a palliative care nurse and because we didn't know what might happen. And I was also using that opportunity to work with people who at the end of their lives and recreating memory scapes for them based on their happy memories. So I would rebuild the sound for them so they could emotionally time travel back to that key point and tap into that well-being and resilience in the present for to help them with that vulnerability. 
And because of that, it got a lot of interest and prisons use it, schools use it, care homes use it. And I've not looked back since and I'm I'm blessed with being able to um, feed the family and, and put shoes on my feet <laughs> through sound. If they're not even moon boots. Yeah. Fantastic. I do wear I do wear slightly heavier shoes just to give you that feel. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. That's fantastic, Justin. Thank you for sharing that uh, that past with us. It's amazing. And Fanis, what were you doing before uh, entering the Sound of the Year Awards? Okay, uh, me for the last uh, 14 years, I have been teaching music technology modules at the Department of Ethnomusicology of the Ionian University. I'm also a PhD candidate at the same university in the field of the soundscape recording. Since I have been traveling regularly in Corfu and Kefalonia, I had the opportunity to record several unique ecosystems there. Through my own research, as well as through my participation in a number of European research programs in field recording, I managed to record viral science in Greece and Cyprus and become very passionate about my practice as field recording engineer. Have you always had a passion for sound, Fanis? Yes, always. It was, uh, I always take care about sounds. I always want to, to be with sounds and, uh, and then I, I try to study music and mu- then music technology mm-hmm. in order to be closer to sounds. And then I learned to, to record sounds. Fantastic. And Yui, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Tell us about your uh, past before you did the Sound of the Year Awards. Um, 20 years ago, he was um, in a music school and mainly studying guitar. And then he switched to um, computer um, it was just around the time when laptops were becoming ready, readily available for many young people. And so he switched over to producing music and things on the computer. At that time, he was very interested in um, German bands and German music. So he actually went to Berlin for a few months to study there. Would that be bands like Kraftwerk? Kraftwerk, yes, <laughs> I love Kraftwerk. So you studied music in Germany, and then I believe that led to you creating music for film. <clears throat> it's an interesting twist. While I, when he was in Berlin, and he went to the Jewish museums what maybe it was like the holocaust museums and he was so he was he became interested in architecture and then came back to japan and started working for a company dealing with architecture so what were you doing with that company so he was dealing with the creating spaces like uh clubs or concert halls or the acoustics for spaces like that.
you all entered into the best sound innovation in everyday life for the Sound of the Year Awards, which was a category which was uh, at the we were the official partners for. Quartmart was very proud to be the official partners of that category. And uh, Justin, you were fortunate to be chosen by the judging panel to be the winner of that category with a project called Echo Point. What is Echo Point and how did it all come into being, please, Justin? Yeah, Echo Point is a facilitation and exploration into turning our homes, our workspaces, our public spaces into sonic safe spaces. So it's about allowing uh, breathing and listening to make an impact in our everyday life and fostering that resilience in everyday life. It came about originally as a conversation with the RNLI who had a project called Design Out Drowning, who worked with a series of um, artists and designers to look outside of the remit of what the RNLI do, but connected to that. And that's with coastal mental health and coastal safety. And one of the areas I wanted to look into was um, the issue of suicide in Cornwall and the figures were quite shocking in terms of the suicide rates down in the southwest mm -hmm. and the association with suicide and coastal areas and coastal mental health. So facilitated through that conversation, I developed the idea of a soundscape which would trigger breathing and then that breathing would then reduce agitation. It would extend dwell time for example in a spot so emergency services had more time to get to somebody or you could intervene before that journey happened um i started to think about that ability for uh, a bespoke sound file that was carefully created and structured which helped people to redirect negative emotions and enter a state of calm when they're feeling low or times of crisis. Not necessarily if they're feeling that they want to harm themselves. Because I started to look at the bigger picture in terms of agitation and because of the, obviously with, with COVID happening, mental health has kind of um, been on the agenda for a lot of people. Agitation and anxiety has escalated with people, even in their own homes and fear of going outside the fear of outside coming inside. So it kind of came at the right time to to allow people to listen and breathe and, and foster that sustained resilience along with mindful actions in, in everyday life. And so I wanted to create a renewable mental health through sound because we talk a lot about renewable energy. Um, and I think the mental health crisis is, is as big as the energy crisis that we have. And so Echo Point became this, this idea that interventional breathing and listening could help negative thoughts and adapt them into more positive ones, changing potential behaviour both in person and then in space, social space as well, and something which is accessible to all people. So then I... I worked a little bit more on it and I worked with Cornwall Council and we uh, facilitated a, a test, if you will, across the southwest. Um, and we, we generated these small cards that people could scan, QR codes in bus stops, 
and to see what the effects would be. Um, it was amazing the kind of responses we were getting from that um, original um, engagement because we were looking at, well, since 2020 when that kind of was launched, we were looking at 2,500 users a month on Echo Point. Goodness. Um, and that's, that's, just, that's just by people scanning and, and, and seeing it. What we wanted then to do is have this idea of resilient sonic safe spaces in public. And so I worked with an amazing company um, in Wales called Black Box AV, who do exceptional audiovisual um, items. And they have this solar powered uh, bench. So I could then put the sounds inside the bench and people sit at the bench, press the button, and it takes them through that guided listening and breathing exercise and allows them to uh, to be guided through that mindful state. We did some early tests with the sound itself and we were working with NHS staff uh, in the southwest and we were measuring stress levels and skin galvanization and heart rates and we notified changes in stress levels in under three minutes at NHS staff so we knew it was working. Oh, that's remarkable. I, I I love the way that you, it's manifested itself into the benches that we've seen that you've mentioned there. I just want to know, um, you know, chicken or the egg. It's like, did you pitch this as an idea to RNLI or did they rec- had they seen your work and ask you to do something specific? How did it really evolve there, the, oh, the whole incorporation into the bench? Uh, you know, where did it begin there? Well, that's a, uh, no one's ever asked me that, and I've never told anybody this, but this is a first. <laughs> um, I w- originally, I was looking at mental health issues with families going on holiday to Cornwall as part of this brief. Um, because of, st- of, you know, going on holiday is a beautiful thing, but um, I think for a lot, of par- a lot of parents, it can be quite stressful. So I was thinking of how you can reduce agitation on holiday for families. That was the original kind of the idea. And one of the original ideas was a a kind of pod that you go into that you could listen to and relax. But after doing some proper research in terms of figures, um, especially when it comes to the suicide rates in the Southwest, I was shocked into finding out the, the, the level of the them figures itself and the impact that it has um, and the stigma that comes with mental health crisis, with the family, with media, with community, with workplace. And, you know, every year, I think the statistics at the time I was looking at, um, nearly 1 million people every year die from suicide and every 40 seconds somebody takes their own life. And they say in the last 45 years, the suicide rates have increased by 60% worldwide. Oh, and so goodness. I was looking at these figures and seeing the national statistics of where the Southwest was and the impact that this was having, not just on the community, but the people who work at the RNLI who have to deal with these issues themselves. And then the mental health that then that is affected because of helping people or attending to these incidents. Mm. So one of the things I'm I'm really passionate about is working with the blue light services and working with fire service 
are in line police and helping with the mental health issues within that sector as well. Hello, Fanis. Hello. You know my question. It's going to be asking about the fascinating work that you did for the Sound of the Year Awards. Tell us all about it. How did that all come about, please? Okay. My entry is a recording with the MSR. MSR stands for the Moving Sound Receptor. MSR is an innovative system that records in motion without any interference from the recorders or the system itself. Here, in this system, the idea of the moving observer recordist is introduced. These systems allow a recording process while the receptor, the microphone, moves along horizontal or vertical trajectories. It is an attempt to efficiently record soundscapes without reaching it physically, but rather guiding the apparatus to do it. Moreover, the main objective of this method is the reproduction of the soundscape as a spatiotemporal entity and not only temporal, as it happens with the majority of field recordings today. The recording as admitted is in vertical motion and it took a place on a very tall tree in a Halandry, a suburb of Athens. It is important to mention here that the MSR is very valuable to me since it's a part of my PhD research, which is based on field recording and acoustic ecology. I invested endless hours to make it work the way I dreamed of. About the awards, I was impressed by the members of the committee, which include some very inspired recordists and artists, and I was also inspired by the interesting categories. So I thought that I could give it a try. It's also a way to share my work with other world, to meet new people, since the practice of the soundscape recordists can be very quite solitary. I think it's a wonderful piece of work, Fanis. I enjoyed listening and watching the video where you 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 know you talk about the tree and the vertical movement and I watched the uh, camera uh, moving up and up and up and more importantly I listened it was incredible to hear how the natural soundscape that in that woodland it changes so much as you get higher and higher and yeah. higher well again congratulations on uh, being recognized by this uh, ceremony it's a wonderful piece of work Roberta, Yui, welcome back. Hi. Thank you. So my question to Yui is to tell us all about his uh, his wonderful piece of work that he entered into the Sound of the Year Awards, how it started and what gave him the idea, please, Roberta and Yui. Hi. This is a generative music system and created by a project that he has established called LMS, which stands for Laboratory for Metropolitan Sound. So this work was created as a um, a sound interior for everyday living environments that uh, revitalize mental recovery through hearing and bring richness to life. Excellent. And I read on the Sound of the Year Awards website when I was looking more into the work, um, I liked what it said about uh, in Japan, there's always been a cultural history with letting the elements um, create sounds. So wind chimes are 
uh, an obvious example where nature does the work and the wind chime makes the music. This is in, for want of a better description, this is almost a, a digital modern age wind chime. It's letting the elements create music and soundscapes according to what the weather's like and what the wind is like. Is that right? As you saw the website um, in Japan from, from ancient times, then these uh, listening to the sounds of nature. So, for example, if you have a gardener that's trimming the trees in the garden, and by the arrangement of those, you know, snipping different parts of the tree and then the wind blowing through the trees and the le- the sounds that the the leaves make or there are other things um using like bamboo to and water to make a clapping sound mm. or things like that so these things have been used for since ancient times so he he wanted to make um Something well, so natural music, not something like you would find like just background music in everyday life, but natural music using using nature. That's beautiful, and I'm fascinated because obviously we're we're on this call, and we're we've all we're all experiencing our own individual weather and conditions. Where depending if we're in Athens or. Tokyo or Cornwall or wherever we might be. Um, I wonder, uh, Roberta, if you could ask Yui for me, does he think that it might be interesting to create an application that everyone can have on their phones? We all have devices. And taking data from your phone, which is to my phone, my phone, for example, knows what the weather is like where I am. It knows probably what the air pressure is like where I am. But my microphone is unique to where I am. And I wonder if I could send almost like a TikTok 30-second clip of what the world musically sounds like exactly where I am in the world. Is that a possible application of this technology that Yui has created? So he said, of course, it's it would be possible, you know, to do like an online thing, but for for him especially he said it's he wants it to be location specific mm-hmm. so that's why he created the sound guard system so to you know it's a music generation program that acquires the weather information so it just not just the weather but the temperature the humidity wind speed of a specific location in real time and then it reflects it in the sound design, for example, the timber, whether it's dry or wet or panning. And so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. We've spoken about pasts, we've spoken about present. I'd like to start with Justin on future. What's next in store for Justin Wigan? Yeah, sure. After the blessing of winning that award, um, I've had lots of interesting conversations with people who are fascinated with how they can integrate sound and breathing in everyday routines. So I'm talking with a security firm who do security for stadiums and for Tesco's and for football stadiums as well about having 
Sonic Safe Spaces saw the agitation levels of people are um, uh, adapted. I'm in conversation with DWP, who are interested in, in utilising Echo Point as a course, actually, for people on universal credit to help them with managing their agitation and their resilience. There And there's, it looks like that's going to go across, be trialled in Devon and Cornwall. And working more with the Blue Light Services, so I've just completed some work with the Firefighters Charity. And mm -hmm. um, we have Echo Points now in Jubilee House, Harcombe House and Marine Court. And this is their recuperation homes for firefighters that are um, struggling with certain issues and get helping them back to healing again. So Echo Point is is quite busy for its future. I've just finished working with the Atlantic Center of Arts in Florida, and I've been collaborating with participants from the Florida Center for the Blind, um, which is interesting considering the start of my journey as a sound artist. Exactly. And um, the, the idea is um, that... How can we tap into the, how can we emotionally time travel back to the good points in our lives and allow that to make a present or an impact in our lives at the moment, but also allow us to move forwards with future thinking? And I developed a scheme, we called it Memory Tones, and we extract, we ask a participant to donate a photograph of a happy time. We extract then the four most dominant colours in that photograph. Then with the hex key, we see what the corresponding musical note is. And then the participant gets gifted back with four notes. And then musical notes they can use to, in this case, we created a memory tones choir and they were singing their notes back to me. <laughs> or they can save the notes as a notification for a text message or as a ringtone. But the key thing is, once they hear them four notes, it automatically transpires back to the well-being element of when the photograph was taken. So it adds resilience in their present day. That's amazing. Oh, Justin, I love the way that you're, uh, you know, you channel sound to provide uh, empathy, senses of, senses of nostalgia. Thank you. Fanis, um, what's next for our PhD student? Uh, okay, I'm, I'm currently working on my PhD thesis, uh, but since uh, I can never rest and I continually record sites from unique places I visit, uh, because I want to make an, an album on the concept of uh, abandoned and isolated places in Greece. Uh, for instance, I always found the places close to borders extremely intriguing. And they uh, actually are very beautiful and uh, worth uh, to, to visit them and to record them. I have already made several recordings from difficult to reach places in Greece. And besides the artistic side of my project, I'm working on some publications. There you can find more information about my research. Excellent. Good luck with that future. And uh, Roberta, thank you. thank you. And Roberta and Yui, what's next uh, in the house of Yui? Currently, he's working on a soundscape design project for several facilities and architectural structures in Japan and China. 
For example, in hotel lobbies, so depending on if it's a smaller group or a, a larger group of people, then depending on the number of people, then the music would change in that space. Also, right now, he's working on、uh, music that will be personalized for places like、uh, Salon. So, the music would be created according to the biofeedback from that person, such as their heartbeat or their pulse. Very personalized experience. Well, Yui, Fanis, and Justin, it's been excellent hearing about your past works, your entry into the Sound of the Year Awards, the future of your work. I'm going to include links to your Sound of the Year Awards entries in the description of this podcast so you can find, our listeners can find them there. But I think all that remains to say now is thank you very much for joining us on the Quiet Mark podcast. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Our thanks to all our guests for taking time to join us on the Quiet Mark podcast. And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned for future episodes. On episode 42, I'll be speaking with Nigel Burton, who I recommend you look him up on LinkedIn. He's Nigel Burton. He is noise guy and acoustician, and he's the director of acoustics for Temple. He posts really fascinating posts about acoustics, has a really unique and interesting perspective on sound. I really enjoy his posts, and I've recorded a conversation with him which was thoroughly enjoyable talking to him about the work that he does with Temple. Temple, of course, being leaders in the field of built and natural environments and creating sustainable futures. So that's part of our future. I do hope that you can join us. Until then, all the best and bye bye.